today on The Breakdown. It is the Poker Stars Players Championship. It's a $25,000 buy-in event, which is happening in January 2019. So as we're recording this, it is just beginning of day two. We have a hand from day one between Caladu So and Christopher Putz. And man, things get a bit hairy for both players. We're excited to talk about this right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. I want to start this podcast by just talking about this event in general. Okay. Because it's a unique event in the history of poker. Mm -hmm. Nothing like this has ever been done before. Where I don't actually know the number, but poker stars gave away what they call platinum passes, which is the buy-in plus stay at in the Bahamas or whatever for the duration of the tournament to something like 300 people. Yeah, I think it was 300. Yeah. So that is in a 25k buy-in, which is absurd, insane. They weren't all they weren't all ones that were given away, right? No, they no. gave away some. There were there were satellites for yeah, some. Yeah, satellites right? where people win and stuff. But the whole point was. This was supposed to be the biggest 25K ever. And of course, yeah. it, it accomplished it by in, infinite miles. Yeah, there were over like. a thousand players. Who yeah, played. which is insane for a 25K. What's the second biggest 25K of all time? 300 players? Probably less know. than that. I have no idea. Yeah. So my, my question about this event is, is this going to be part of the reinvigoration of poker? Is this like a big deal? Is this part of the path back towards 2006? Huh. I don't think it is. But I, you know, I've been wrong before. Uh, I, I don't see why this would reinvigorate poker any more than like what's happening uh, to me. What's the reinvigoration of poker is around the World Series of Poker, really smartly marketing tournaments to the weekend warriors and to people who are vaguely interested in poker. So now instead of you know we saw a real decline in both main event attendance and overall World Series attendance for years. And then they came up with the Millionaire Maker. Right. And since then, every year they add a new tournament on a weekend, which is an exciting tournament for people to travel up and just play that. You know, after the Millionaire Maker, it was the Monster Stack. They've now added, what, the Giant, the Colossus. They're going to do the Big 500. They did the 888. These are all now sort of important events on the poker calendar, which right. they just were normal $1,500 events, which, sure, you wanted to play if you were there, I guess, but didn't feel special and weren't things that people traveled for. Like, the Millionaire Maker was such a big deal than all the other $1,500 Sunday, uh, Friday to Sunday events that they used to have, right? Weekend events, I should right. say. Um, they, weren't, they didn't start on Friday. but uh, So to me, that is really leading the World Series and live poker coming back as strong as it has. I think that's the biggest deal. To me, this is a much smaller deal because you sort of already have to be pretty entrenched in poker to know about the Platinum Pass, to be able to care about it. It's a 25K buy-in, so only, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't think so, is my guess. What do you think? I think it depends on who wins. I think if somebody who won a Platinum Pass and has, like, zero Hendon wins, it's a, kind of a big deal for poker in general because those things that you're referring to at the World Series, it's all really about one thing. It's about selling the dream, right? So yeah. the Millionaire Maker, the initial one that they did, the top prize is guaranteed to be at least a million dollars. That's selling the poker dream. You can Absolutely. come play at the World Series of Poker and win a million dollars. This is selling the poker dream for sure. You can come to the Bahamas, play in a 25K with all of these really good players, and it's incredible that there are these amateurs in this field. It's like, this is selling the poker dream, especially if an amateur wins. 
Um, yeah, but how much is first place going to be anyway? I mean, I mean it's going to be over a million, well over a million, I imagine. Um, I'm not sure. I guess it probably will be. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, there's tw- 25 million in the prize pool. Yeah. A little less probably, but some, something on those. So yeah, first place is going to be way over a million actually, yeah. won't it? Um, first place is going to be like $3 million. I guess if a complete... I think you mean 2.5 million, don't you? Oh, no. is it, is it, see, this is what happens. We get Math confused. No, no, you're right. 25 million. Right, because yeah, twenty five thousand times a thousand. Yeah, so twenty five million. Good. Um, so let's let's say first place is three million dollars. If like a school teacher wins, that'll be a big deal, sort of. But also at this point, that story's been told a little bit. So yeah. I don't I don't know how big a deal it is. Like Moneymaker was such a big deal, of course, because it was forty dollars and it was on TV for the first time. No one had seen that before. I'm not expecting it to be Moneymaker. No, I understand. But people have like heard the story now. Our friend Mitch. Won the was it the Millionaire Maker Monster Stack? It was the How Monster do you stack. not know that? Who cares? He won one of those. He's your um, friend. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. I know he won a big poker tournament. <laughs> so um, and he won over a million dollars. And although he's a very good poker player, he's not a pro. He's a he's a professor of finance at Arizona. 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 Thank you. See, I don't know that either. You know, you know nothing. Yeah, no, he lives in Arizona. He's tall. I know things about him. So. Um, and like that could have been a huge story in theory, right? That's like kind of a cool story that the press could pick up on. And the poker press picked up on it. Yeah. But no one else did. It wasn't like he was, you know, on the Tonight Show or any, or do, even like he did any kind of interview circuit or PR circuit afterward, right? And that, that's the kind of thing which I think po- poker hopes for. But I just don't know that the press or, or the See, general public cares enough anymore. I think there's a couple things going on here with our difference of opinion on okay. this. I think you're setting the bar really high. I think the moneymaker boom is almost impossible to replicate well sure yeah i also think that we're in a different era technology wise and consumption wise where in 2003 he had to be in the late night shows for people to get visibility of these poker players now there's so many ways to access things that are poker related via youtube or whatever and sometimes youtube's going to suggest stuff that's poker if you're looking at other stuff that's not poker and you know it's it all plays uh, into it and see- i think i think the idea that that an amateur can get into a 25k for essentially free and win is a huge deal and have like all this huge massive coverage uh, in the poker world, at least and like all of this great production value and it's $25,000 buy-in very prestigious, all this stuff. I think it matters. I agree with you. Yeah. I think the world series stuff is more important. Okay. But I think that they are both very important. I, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we got a hand to get to. That's an exciting hand, but I want to push back on one thing you said, which is um, the idea that like the late night shows aren't important because of the sort of, the saturation of other media now. And, but that's, I, I that's just, not, that wasn't my point. That wasn't your point. No, my point was he needed the late night shows because there was no other media. That was the only way to get him in front of people. Okay. But I'm going off All of right. that. Like, because media is now so curated, like poker stars, rec- not poker stars, sorry. YouTube recommends things that it thinks you will like, right? Yeah. When he's on Jimmy Kimmel or whatever the thing was back then, David Letterman, when Chris Moneymaker was, I'm saying like people who did not know anything about poker, wouldn't care about poker, would never, ever want to know anything about poker. were sort of, Forced is not exactly the right word, but essentially people who like Letterman were forced to watch him interview Chris Moneymaker for 15 minutes. By the way, I have no idea if he actually did interview Chris Moneymaker. I have no idea if Chris Moneymaker <laughs> okay. did any late night shows, but, I, but he certainly did a lot of publicity, right? right. Um, like, so it got exposed to an audience that had no interest in poker, and then they had an interest in poker afterward. YouTube is going to give these views to people who already have an interest in poker. So I think it's, I think it actually is different and I think it matters. Like if you're talking about reinvigorating it, okay, to some degree, probably it wouldn't reinvigorate a little bit, but in any kind of bigger way, 
I think you, you needed to reach, uh, sort of transcend all the normal poker channels and get out to mass media. You want to be like on the Today Show. You want to be in Good Morning America. You want stuff like that. That's how you actually reinvigorate poker in terms of really making a big difference in the world, in okay. my mind. I agree with that. I agree with that. No. I'm, I'm saying this is a cause, but maybe maybe this is more of a symptom of poker coming back a little bit. Poker stars even attempting this and saying this is a good idea. Mm, it yeah. may be symptomatic that like the past couple of years have actually been pretty good for poker as far as gains. You know, like yeah. if you look at it 2006 compared to now, it's not great. But you look at it 2011 compared to now, it's probably pretty damn good. No, it's it's great. I mean, yeah. the WPT recently, I think, had their biggest uh, event ever. Um the World Series is booming. I mean, things are going well. And the World Series boomed. People were thought a year and a half ago when the World Series was booming, people thought it was cryptos booming. So yeah. everyone, all these poker players have money, right? Yeah. So it's easy for it to boom. But then this summer, crypto was down, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess it wasn't down year to year, but everyone was feeling, everyone, and I'm, I count myself among these people, you know, people who invested in crypto were feeling poor or more poor than they had been, you know, where they were feeling very... You know, like they were, they were feeling like the the monopoly guy there for a little while, you know, with the monocle and the, and everything, by the way, I don't think he does have a monocle, but, um, he has got a monocle. eh, I'm not so sure. So, uh, (laughs) he's got a pocket watch at least, but like, but still the world series boomed anyway. So, so it's sort of like crypto proof in some way, which is, which is exciting and a little surprising to me, but it really, it says something I think about poker's regrowth and like poker having real true staying power. It's good news for the poker guys. It is actually great news for us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you're a new listener, by the way, we, I know we have a lot of new listeners over the last year. Actually, over the last six months or so, um, we've like almost doubled, I think, yeah. our listenership. I don't know what's happened because we've done nothing to make that happen. We're just doing our podcast. We're just and, being our wonderful yeah, selves. Yeah, making videos, doing our normal stuff. But, um, but I know we have a lot more listeners than we used to. And uh, we already had a reasonable amount for sure. But it's exciting. We, we appreciate all your listenership. And we hope you uh, are with us for a long and time. And tell your friends. Even if you think you're learning a lot and you don't want them to learn, maybe have a heart and tell your friends anyway. I mean, come on. You need, you need other people to talk to about this. You need poker friends who you talk to poker. You talk about poker with. It's important. That's how you get better. Yeah. Do you want to just talk to your friends and they'll be like, there is King's a drawing hand? Or do you want them to be like combinatorics and all of the excellent yeah. things that the poker guys Because it's not really about beating your friends, usually. It's about you and your friends beating everybody else, ultimately. Like you and your friends helping each other to be able to beat the world. Like yeah. that's sort of what Grant and I do, right? As best we can, right? Like yeah. we talk poker to each other. And a long, long ago, you like from the beginning, pretty much we gave up the ghost on ever like me ever like holding i'm sure this is true for you too but holding back anything right like maybe i'll use this against him in like a heads up tournament you know if we get heads up in it for in a big spot you know i he'll think i think this but really i think this like i've never done that with you and it's been really good for me to not do that right because that way i get the full like we get the full level of like delving deep into whatever it is we're talking about and arguing about debating about whatever it is and it gives me the opportunity to learn or grow as much as possible. And I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. We're lucky enough to have other poker friends who are excellent at poker as well. Yep. So, yeah. So make your other friends excellent at poker by having them listen to the podcast. Absolutely. Speaking of the podcast, let's talk about The Hand, which is what this podcast is all about. Yes, sir. And it was suggested by Giannis Selenitis. Nice job, buddy. He's uh, been called up from the dugout and he's been from pretty... From the dugout? Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. And he's been pretty good for a couple innings now. Yeah. You know, he's he's... We like, call him from the bullpen, but I hear you. No, he had he had he's a pinch hitter, but a couple innings. Yeah, he had to hit again. Okay, you know what? You can have a pinch hitter and leave them, let <laughs> yeah. them stay in. Actually, he had, You're a, right. tri- he had a triple and a double. Okay, yeah. he also may have been good in the field if he's not the DH. <laughs> so there's lots of ways he <laughs> could be know. contributing. I don't know. Ba- I don't watch baseball. Clearly. Uh, so uh, anyway, no. This is his second suggestion that we've done. Uh, 
pretty recently. And of course, Giannis suggested on Twitter, and we are the, the Poker Guys on Twitter. You can just Google that, or we are at Two Poker Guys. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to find us. Our logo is right on there. And Giannis did a great job because the video he suggested was from this Poker Stars Championship, which is a live stream. So it's a 10 hour video. If yeah. he had just given us the video and said, it's this hand, there's a 0% chance we would have done it. Correct. What he did was he right clicked on the video on YouTube and said, uh, embed link at current time, yep. something like that, and then use that link. That's how you do it. Yeah. You just, then it just copies it onto your clipboard and you just paste it into. Yep. Uh, and that way we don't have to Twitter. search for it. And it's great. Because we won't search for if it. That's Let's too be conf- clear. If that's too confusing for you, just write down the time it's at. We, yeah. can, we can work with that. Just too. tell us, yeah, it starts at four, four minutes in or something like that. That works yeah. too. All right, All right, let's so get to it. Let's get to it. It's early on day one, early-ish at least. Okay. The blinds, I don't know if it's early on day one. It's day one. The blinds are 250,500. The starting stack oh. was 60K. So I, It's got to be pretty early. It's probably level like three. Level, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Probably level three, yeah. Yeah. 100, 200, 200, 400, this, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, so 750, one, seven, 75, 150, 150, 300, <laughs> 250, 500. Yeah, I mean, I mean maybe, maybe, but we're at two fifty. Yeah, yeah, could be. Anyway, who cares? It we're at two fifty five hundred. Yeah, two fifty five. Early days. Five hundred big blind Annie because Poker Stars knows what's up. It's big blind Annie time. Yeah. Christopher Putts, who we could not find on the old Hendon mob. Yeah, not at all. Like I looked. Yeah, but the way he plays this hand makes us think that he has some skill. Oh yeah, and I I absolutely do think that. I know he's a platinum pass winner. One way or another. We don't know if he was gifted it, if he like won a contest, or if he won like a satellite. We don't know how he got it. Right. But. He could just be an online guy who does very yeah. well online and won a platinum pass, you know? That's my best guess just based on the little bit I know about him and right. watching him play. We a bit. we're tinted in America towards thinking that people who have no Hendon results like are usually gonna be an amateur or not very good. But if you think back to pre Black Friday in America, there were a lot of people who played exclusively online who were excellent poker players. Sure. So there's I'm sure that still exists around the world, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, Christopher Putz might be one of those players. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he has 75K, which is a pretty good stack. He's up 15K from the starting stack. Opens to 1,200 in the hijack with two red jacks. Caladu uh, So, who does have a Hendon mob of some, some reports. Yeah, he's got over 1.6 million, I think, in Hendon Including mob. an 800K score, right? Yeah. And I think he was actually on the feature table at the main event for a little bit oh, last yeah? year. Yeah, okay. I, I remember him because he has the specific glasses. He's got mm. like the kind of like the feels like a 90s assassin movie glasses or something. <laughs> um, he's got 49K in front of him and he's okay. got king, queen, king of spades, queen of diamonds. So he's the effective stack with 98 blinds. Right. Okay. And he decides it's three bet time. I guess either putts opens in the hijack pretty frequently or it's just late enough position yeah. that king queen's good enough for him to three bet. He just it's, decides I'm doing this. It's all fine to three yeah, bet. It's yeah, it's fine to call, it's fine to three bet. He makes it 3700. Everybody else folds back to putts who calls. Putts made it how much pre himself? 1200. Okay. So a little I, more than 3x. Yeah. This really shows the value of a three bet at these stacked depths because it feels like almost suicidal for putts to four bet, even though he has jacks, right? Oh yeah. What's, I mean, you're four bet bluffing basically. I mean, you're not actually bluffing, but if he doesn't fold now you're bluffing, right? right. Now you're like, well, you have Queens or I guess you have Queens or Kings, right? Right. In a or tournament, King. in a tournament where people really do care about their tournament lives, like this tournament, you know, any major yeah. tournament of any type, it's so powerful to take a hand like King Queen and turn it into a three bet. I can see how it's more plus EV just because of my thoughts as putts, like, I can't imagine four betting here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, no, I would never four bet here. Right. This so deep. like you're basically, 25K, you're basically you never getting four bet <laughs> unless the guy has aces or kings. Right. I might call with kings. Yeah. 
You know, just like why why inflate this pot where like when I four bet, what am I getting called by? Like what what's sticking around? Is this, if I size it well, if I size it you know, big, which I'm gonna have to do because I'm out of position. Like, I mean, he made it what thirty seven, thirty seven hundred. If yeah. I four bet it, what am I four betting it to? I'm four bet it to at least what eleven and change, right? Yeah, probably a little more. Eleven five, something like that. Yeah, eleven five, twelve thousand, something like that. And the effective stack is forty eight. So that's if he calls. He's going to have a two to one stack to pot ratio. Like he can't call with a lot of things, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I would never four bet Kings. Don't get me wrong. I'd for, I, I absolutely will four bet Kings for sure. But a lot, but it's reasonable to just call with Kings here too and not scare off the bad hands and get it in against aces. You yeah. Know? Right. With 98 blinds. So with Jacks, it feels like just an easy call. Yeah. It feels like such a straightforward call. Which kind of sucks, right? It's like such a good hand, and you can't put in another bet against a guy who's probably a pretty aggressive player. Yeah, it's fine, though. But it's okay, because you you're going to be pretty wide here. Yep. Like, you're going to have a lot of hands. Jax is one of the best. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have a lot of suited connectors and hands like that that you're yeah. going to definitely call Sm- with. Much smaller pairs that yeah. are going to fold a lot, you know, on a lot of boards. Jax are a hand you can, you know, get much deeper into the hand with, you know, without too much trouble. Yeah, Sometimes so. that's a problem, but, you know. All right, so the pot is 8,600 going to the flop. Okay. And the nitrogen sports poker is 8,600 also. 8,600 out of 8,600 on grantreviews.com. Stars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are other things you have, uh, you've reviewed on that? Um, I have reviewed mopeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I figured mopeds. They got 7,300 stars. That's Grant, pretty good. Grant's a big moped guy. Yeah, 7,300 is really good. Yeah. And you know, that's just, you're just, that's just, you're just reviewing mopeds in general, right? Like, I really like mopeds. Yeah, 7,300 yeah. stars. So just mopeds yeah. in general. And yeah. it's 7,300 out of 7,300? Is no, right? out of 8,600. Oh, out of 86. Nitrogen is 8,600 out of 8,600. Oh, it's a straight 86 out of 86. Nitrogen, nitrogen is the only thing that has received 8,600 full oh, stars. Oh, really? Oh, mopeds, the... mopeds are number two at 7,300. Yeah. Number three, you might not know, Chef Boyardee, 7,100. Yeah. Not, not the product, the chef himself. Oh, that, I, yeah. I did not just know. Just the that. guy. <laughs> and, yeah. and what are you rating him on? His cooking ability is just sort of general, like... What kind of a person is he? Uh, or what no, are we talking no, I about? Have a, I have a four a four tiered rating system. It applies to everything. <laughs> yeah. Number one is ambiance. I like it. Number two is sustainability. <laughs> this is a person we're talking about. It's I, this applies to everything that I rate. Okay. Ambiance, sustainability, <laughs> mouthfeel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really not going to go there. I'm just letting you know and let let that one just fly right by. You, I know. I know it's a setup. I yeah. did it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> mouthfeel. <laughs> And um, general charisma. Good. So, yeah. So, boy, I'm guessing, and I don't know, but I'm guessing Borodi does really well in general charisma. And mouthfeel. And mouthfeel, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's where um, I was going. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Okay, so maybe we'll do the ad now. I don't know. So, okay. Nitrogen Sports Poker, 8,600 8, out of 8,600. <laughs> yeah. Why, though? Why 8,600? What makes it so good? Well, there's one thing that I'd like to say about Nitrogen Sports Poker Room is that they don't fuck with you, man. <laughs> that's pretty cool, right? Because I mean, yeah. other sites are going to fuck with you a little bit. It's a Bitcoin-only site. A lot of other poker sites use Bitcoin. We've experienced the use of those sites. None of them get your money to you in 90 minutes when you request withdrawal. But Nitrogen does. It's a big deal. Other sites do internal processing stuff. It takes two, three days. Yep. There's no reason for that. There is absolutely no reason. They are fucking with you. They're definitely fucking with you. Nitrogen is not fucking with you. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Nitrogen Um, doesn't fuck with... Your storage space on your computer either because you don't have to download any software. Yep. It's housed nice. in the browser. It's nice software housed in the browser. Sign up details are very easy. And of course, when you sign up, you must use the link in the description of this podcast or else 
I will give you one star in mouthfeel. <laughs> but there's also value. So there's a carrot as well as the stick here. Yes. The carrot is, of course, is of course that you get um, access to things that you otherwise wouldn't get access to. So currently, we do a monthly tournament. At the end of every month, it's a thousand uh, buy-in guarantee, and the buy-in is a tenth of a millibit, which these days is like forty cents. Um, so thousand buy-in guarantee, which is awesome. So it's a hundred millibits total. And uh, we usually get like 80 people, which is the equivalent of like, you know, eight millibits. So there's a massive overlay every single time we do this tournament. Yeah. We sometimes play the tournament. Yeah. Although lately, not so much. But you know what? It's great value. It's better when we don't play. There's even more value when we don't play, though, because, you know, we're killers. Murderers. I mean, we're good at poker. What do you want? (laughs) We do pretty well in that tournament. Do we not when we play it? Of course we do. Not surprising. <laughs> just get so, off your high horse for a second. I'm lobby. just saying it's good that we're not playing sometimes. Anyway, all. nitrogen sports. <laughs> they also have casino games. They also have sports, sports betting. betting. Of yeah. course, it's called nitrogen sports. Get in there, get you some poker. All the things, etc. 8,600 is in the pot. Um, that is how much is in the pot. Oh, that was, I was going to say 8,600 star, out of 8,600 stars, but go on. Yeah, no, it's also that. Okay. It just so happens that that's how much is in the pot. Interesting. What a shocking coincidence. So King of Spades, Queen of Diamonds for So, who is the three better? The caller is uh, Mr. Christopher Putz. He's got two red jacks. He's going to be out of position for the whole hand. He is. It's That's poopy. Flop is 10, 6, 7. 10 of clubs, 6 of spades, 7 of spades. Okay. So Fair enough. I don't think it's actually spades now that I think about it. I got to look at this again. Yeah, I'm I don't sorry. think there was a flush draw. Ten of clubs, six of diamonds, seven of spades. Yeah. That's more like it. Yeah. Okay. Ten of clubs, six of diamonds, seven of spades is the flop. And uh, so putts checks. I don't see any other course of action for him. I mean, if your name is Lee Childs, I guess you bet. And then fold to any aggression. Yeah. Yeah. Your- but but since you're not Lee Childs, you check, yeah. which is the move. Yeah. You don't Clearly, want- you, you check to the three better here. You don't want to be Lee Childs. Yeah. It's an easy check. So bets <laughs> 3,600. I think this is... Very typical and normal and fine. He could bet smaller. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Like, I think it's fine to bet smaller. I think he could bet 2,000, honestly. But he can bet 2,000 knowing he's going to have to bet again. Right. But 3,600, he's often going to have to bet again too. I guess he gets a little, he does get more folds with 3,600 than 2,000 though on this board, right? Like, if you bet 2,000, like, Ace Queen is sort of forced to call you. If you bet 3,600, it it might just throw it away. It's like, you know what? I don't need to get involved here. I'm just going to get out of this. Like, I, I didn't flop well. Fine. Right. Yeah. So Putz is going to call. I don't think there's any other course of action for him so far. I mean, it would be absurd to fold at this point. You don't love it. You're already like, well, I mean, I know I'm losing to some hands here. That would be aces, kings, queens, and tens, especially. Those are all like really obvious hands that that I'm just losing to and kind of screwed against. But what are you going to do? My hand is way too good. I can think of hands that you would do this with that I'm beating, i.e. ace, king, ace, queen, and other, you know, worse hands. Obviously, one of them happens to be king, queen, but they're bluff hands. There's, you know, ace, five suited. There's all sorts of stuff. Right. So this feels very clear. It's a call. All right. From So's perspective, once putts calls, what are some groups of hands, some types of hands that you're putting them on? What what was the board exactly? Ten, six, seven, rainbow. I think pocket eights, pocket nines. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think ace ten suited. Yeah. I think actually any suited ten. Yeah, jack ten suited, queen ten suited, king ten suited. They were all... deep enough that he could decide to yeah. call pre and, you know, stay with it. Um, that's probably, a, like, I don't think he's calling with two fives or something what like that. What about, like, five six suited or seven eight suited, seven nine suited, nine ten suited, ten eight suited? I was going to say nine ten suited. Yeah, those are all, yeah, suited connectors that, that make a pair and a gutter or even just make a pair. Yeah, I think five six it. suited has to call once. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. So, so yeah, any but pocket fives I don't think is going to call once, right. for example, because it's only got two outs and 
it's a much harder spot. I right? agree. I agree. I think, I mean, and, and Putz is going to have some sets here that he's slow playing. He's going to check raise some of them, but. Check raise some of what? Sets. Oh, sets. Yeah, but he's going to also just check calls. And yeah. Sets. Yep. He's going to have some sets, but I feel like he's pretty heavy towards pair gut shot type hands. He's got a lot of those. Um, he does have a lot of those. He has very few um, over pairs. Actually, yeah, this maybe just has jacks and it's queens. Possible he only has jacks, and when he doesn't, it's it's jacks and queens, right? And, and maybe you can have kings. Obviously, you can have kings and aces a little bit, but a not little that bit, much. But so blocks kings and queens with king um, queen. right. That's true. I mean, it's it's kind of a great hand to have as so where you're like, well, you don't have aces almost ever. I block kings and queens. It's hard for you to have that much. Like you may call, but it's hard for you to have a very strong hand right now, right? In terms of overpair, right? You don't and really when, have. And that. when putts check calls, I think I would discount the majority of six seven suited combos because that's bottom two pair, mm-hmm. and you'd think he would check raise that a lot. I, I would think so. so you're like, I, th- I absolutely, think, I, th- I agree. And he's gonna have some of the nuts too, eight nine suited, of course. Yeah, but he's gonna check raise that sometimes. He's gonna check raise his sets sometimes. Mm-hmm. So he's weighted towards kind of like one pair that's pretty strong or one pair with a draw type hand. Pretty much any one pair hand. Yep. All right. So the pot is now 15,800. Okay. It's getting a little real here for so. It is getting a little I'm bit sorry. Real. Really more for putts than for so, right? Yeah. Um, how much just... No, no. For so. What, what's the effective stack now? So is the effective stack. What, and what is it? Though? Um, okay. So he has three bets. Bet started like with 7,500 total. Yeah. So it's something like 41K. Okay. Yeah. And there's 15,000 in the pot. 16 almost. Okay. So right. two and a half times the pot. Okay. So the turn pot is two and a half times stack. Sorry. Go turn ahead. is the five of hearts. Okay. So that's not an ideal card for so to continue on necessarily. I mean, putts makes two pair rarely. A tiny bit. Yeah. yeah. With five six suited or five seven suited. I uh, mean, okay, but at the same point, like we can fold out maybe some tens if we continue. We might our eight to nine is going to really call again out of position with the gutter. I'm not sure depending on how we size it. They may decide not to. Well, the question is, would so continue betting with pocket kings or pocket aces here? I think he would. Do you probably. not think so? I think he probably would. I think would. he usually would because he doesn't want to check. And there's a lot of bad cards for pocket aces, right? Is it a bet fold, though? I think it, I think it absolutely is. Against, against someone who you think isn't bluffy, I think yeah. it's a pretty clear bet fold, right? Because they have all the sets and you have very few of the sets, right? If you have, we're assuming you have pocket aces, like... What are they raising? Like, there's not that much that they're raising. So you're basically saying against a good player, you can't check raise a set here if you're putts. On the turn. Yeah. Um, unless you've got a bluffy image. Okay. Then I think you absolutely can. But if you don't, I think, yeah, I think it's probably you should have already check raised or you now you got to be, maybe you wait till for a safe river and decide to do it there. That's reasonable. Well, putts is going to check again. I don't see any other option. Yeah. So bet 7,200, and it's starting to get a little bit hairy for putts now yeah. when So keeps going here. Because, as I said, I really think he is going to bet aces and kings and, yeah. and even queens here. It's, like, totally reasonable. And from a game theory perspective, you're supposed to drop off part of your range each time. Mm-hmm. Jacks feel like they're pretty high up in the range as they far do. as current value, but as far as playability on the river, they're not necessarily that high in the range because yeah. eights and nines feel like a more comfortable call. There's more ways to improve. There are. You got six outs to improve for sure. Now, if you hit an eight or a nine, if you either make a straight or make a set, um, it's going to be the board's going to be really scary. Yeah. And so it's harder to get action. But at least you get to win. But you do get to win. Yeah. Yes, that's, that is the other side of it. Yeah. Right? Um, with jacks, if if uh, so is bluffing, which it turns out he is at least right now. We don't know what the river's going to be yet. Yeah. Say a deuce comes off on the river. 
if we check, it gives him an opportunity to keep bluffing. Now, I don't know if we're going to have the heart to call anyway. If a deuce comes, I think so. At the same point, uh, like, are we really just going to call it off with Jacks here when the guy has like aces and Kings, like so often and really might bet the river on a, on a brick. Um, I don't know. So that's the problem. Um, I, I, I think you want to keep the, you know, right now we don't have to worry about that because sometimes we're going to get a favorable card on the river. It's going to make our decision easy or it's going to go check, check. Um, and sometimes he's just not going to fire again. You know, mostly we're hoping for check, check. Yeah. A Jack would be fine too. A Jack would be, we fine. will accept top set on the river. Yes, we will. Yeah. All right. Well, putts calls. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you can quite fold yet, but it really does suck. Um, I don't think you can fold two jacks, but it's hard to come. Like, what are we beating for value? Nothing. Nothing. So I was going to check back nines and eights, right? If he three bet those. I think he mostly is with the 10 on board on, on the turn. Like, what's the value of betting a hand like that? There's no protection. I mean, what are you trying to fold? You're not really trying to fold out anything. You're not right? folding out a 10 mostly. The, the only value I can think of is you're trying to like get ace king to fold, like to protect your equity. But ace king might just fold that flop. It's a really bad flop. It for might. It might. Um, but what it might not fold that flop against our range. You know, Whatever, I'd rather is... check back against Ace King anyway. Like it's fine. What'd you say? I, th- I think it's fine to check back against Ace King anyway. It's fine to check. Oh, it's with, fine anyway. With eights oh, or yeah. nines. Yeah, it's it's okay. Like so, they have six outs. So what? Yeah. Kind of a thing. Yeah. Like actually, if if an Ace or King comes and suddenly he donks out, like that's pretty strong. Like Ace King's supposed to be in our range, right? Yeah. So also he could have four bet Ace King sometimes. Right. So. I don't know. Yeah, he can also have ace queen. We only bet thirty six hundred on the flop. He might have decided to call with ace queen. Yeah, I don't so think so, but he might have. All this to say, putts is not really beating any value. Correct. He might be tying with value. He might be against two other jacks. You know, it's possible there's eights or nines. I guess seems it's because it's possible there's eights and nines or like a ten. Somehow he has a ten, a suited ten, maybe ace and, ten, and he's betting with the intention of like insta checking the river if uh, if you know if we get if he gets called again. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, from my perspective, I would maybe bet ace ten, but probably not, and never bet eights or nines here. I think I would probably bet ace ten because I would think the only hand I'm losing to is jacks, and I. Well, you're losing and to maybe slow queens sets and stuff and two pairs. Oh, sure, sure. And but I mean, like, but I mean, but I can think of hands I can get value from in theory if I with ace ten we, weaker more tens. more yeah exactly. But but eights and nines, it's really hard to get value. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I think ace ten is more likely to be a bet. So it sucks for, I mean, the, the good thing working for putts here is that there's not that much value, but all of the value beats him. I mean, part of this comes down to player image at this point, too. True. Like, what do we think about so? If we think so is tight and careful and just doesn't double barrel even much, we can really throw away jacks right now. We really can. There's, we don't think there's many bluffs. So we can just throw them away. That's a bit of a double-edged sword, though, because if we think he's not that tight and not that careful, his pre-flop range expands and he can have sets now. I don't understand. What do you mean? If putts thinks so is not that tight and not that careful. The opposite of what you're saying. Oh, okay. The problem is now so his pre-flop sets. range includes okay. sets because he's going to three bet a lot of those well, pairs. Sure, but then there's so many combos of other stuff it can he can have too, right? Now, now because now we can put like like he has king queen, king jack, ace five suited, ace three, su- you know, ace wheel suited, maybe some suited connectors like four three suited. I don't even know. We could put a million stuff in there. That's then. true. So it's so I think we'd much rather have him be wide and bluffy and, and include all the sets and include some of the weird two pairs in the nuts than, oh, he's tight. He's never even going to bet, bet ace king. If we don't think he can bet ace king on the turn, for example, if he's going to check back ace king and stuff like that, and he's only going to have a tight range, we should throw away jacks, right? Yeah. Um, 
Now, that's clearly not the case with So. No. So as long as his putts, as we know that, as long as if we're him and we know that this guy is fairly bluffy, which if you've been sitting with a guy for hours at the table, you should know that, right? Yeah. By, it's only been probably like three hours. You'll get a sense of it, though. You should have a pretty good sense. Now, you don't always, but he should have a pretty good sense already. And he may have looked this guy up. This So has a bit of a, you know, he's got a, he's got a reasonable-handed mob for sure. Yeah. So maybe he could even know something about this guy, potentially. Potentially. Anyway, as we see, so is the kind of guy who's got king queen and three three betting it, and also is double barreling and things like that. So, if putts, I mean, there's there's almost certainly been opportunities for putts to get that information. Yeah. So that makes it so. Having said all that, that means now we have to really strongly consider calling and probably just have to call. Yep. Which yeah. kind of sucks, but yep. Got to put the chips in. Just got to put the chips in. That's always the fear when you're against a player that you know is an aggressive player. You've seen them take a lot of aggressive actions and you have a plan for them. And then you actually get in a spot where you have like a Jax type hand and a board like this. You're like, just don't let this be the time that they have I it because they're good enough that I know they also are going to play it the same way when they have it when, and when they don't. Yep. I hate this. Damn it. Here's so some I, chips. I know. I know. Overall, I make chips doing this, but I hope I make chips now. Otherwise, also in this it's case, be very sad. Also, in this case, this is likely the biggest event of Putz's life, and he's uh, like yeah. dealing with a situation. Right. Exactly. And that, that's another reason I really like this bet by um, by So. Yeah. It's just like keep putting the pressure on in a 25k from a guy who's a platinum pass winner. That sounds like a really good idea. Like, not maybe don't put, keep the pressure on Dan Shack. Right. But this guy. Absolutely. I don't know anything about putts, except he's a platinum pass winner, and he seems like he's thinking through the hand reasonably well. Um, so maybe he's like a super high-stakes player and just only plays cash. But based on the little bit I know, I would want to keep applying pressure and assume he's going to fold hands that are strong, hands that he shouldn't be folding. Yeah. So I like this bet a lot by so. I would actually like to know, if I, if I were at the table and I looked up my opponents, I don't know if this information was available, but I would like to know how they got their platinum pass. Yeah, like if they got it from online tournaments, it's possible they're like an online MTT crusher, and their mm-hmm. ranges are going to be really good. And yep. They're going to really understand distribution and stuff. Absolutely. If they got it through some other contest where where they had to like submit something, and then they got the platinum pass that way, I might attack that player a lot more. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah. So, I guess so might be trying to do that. Maybe he knows that about this guy that he's a platinum pass winner at the very least. Yeah. I mean, that, that alone is enough information to decide you should probably put extra pressure on him. Yeah. I think. Right. Rather than someone who just like paid for the 25K event out of their pocket. Just like, yeah, yeah, here's the 25. You know? It's like, yeah. I'm less interested in trying to bluff that guy. That seems like a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Although I think there's like a small percentage of this tournament who are good players who have never played the 25, uh, 25K, maybe even a bigger percentage. Good players who have never played a 25K before, but the 25K means a lot to them. Yeah. But they bought in because they're like, this is going to be crazy soft for a 25K. Sure. No, yeah. I'm sure that's true. Yeah. That's true. But some of those players, I mean, when they're good, and we've seen this both probably in ourselves and in other guys in similar situations, sometimes you're like, yeah, 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 this is a big tournament for me and all that. But I mean, I'm not going to just let you push me around. Right. Like, I'm just going to call anyway, even though I don't know if I'm good. But yeah. like, feels like I'm supposed to call, so I'm calling, you know? Yeah. You just do it. And like, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So like, I, I hear what you're saying. And I think there, there's always some percentage of people who are going to be too careful in a turn in a tournament setting, right? Like and JC Tran, like JC Tran. So you want to find those guys and attack them for sure. Anyway, here we are. All right, here we are. The pot is now 30,200. The flop was 10, six, seven rainbow. The turn was the five of hearts completing the rainbow. We got Jax for putts, who's out of position and not the aggressor. We got King Queen off for So, who is in position and the aggressor. The river is the eight of spades. 
Yeah, that's interesting. So now there's a five, six, seven, eight, nine. Wait, that's not no, true. No, there's no nine. Five, six, seven, eight, ten. There's the a board. six, seven. No, there's, there's six. There's a five. Oh, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Five, six, seven, eight, ten. Yes, the ten doesn't matter. Right. With no flush draw. Um, so putts checks the river. Yes. Don't see anything else. Now, the question for so is, is this a good time to go for it? Right. My initial hit is no. I don't think it's a good time. However, I can come up with a reason to go for it. Okay, what is and the it's reason? it's what we were just talking about. Okay, that's a good reason. Right? So it's one of the old... This, look, if I bet this river, it's not a very good story, right? Now, I'm, what the story I'm telling is really I have pocket nines and bet the turn. Right. Not By the way, story. bet the flop and bet the turn. Yeah. Like, eh, not super believable. Um, that's really the only story I'm telling, right? Would I even... I mean, I guess it depends on how you size it, but let's say we size it big because we are, cause we're trying to get this guy to fold. His obviously yeah. some somewhat value hand here. He's got some good value of some sort. Um, so if we're going to size it big-ish, the pot's got, what, 30K in it? 30,200. So, so let's assume we have 34,000 the, as the effective stack uh, as so, I believe, right? So let's say we're sizing it, like we bet at least two-thirds of the pot or something like that. We could obviously go from two-thirds. We could bet more, but let's say at least two-thirds of the pot in our mind. So at least 20,000. Um, I mean... If the guy is scared, if Putz is scared, and he may be like, oh, God. And he may just fold anyway because the story doesn't matter. So that's, that's the thing you got to weigh as so is. This is a bad story, but does it matter? Sometimes it just doesn't matter. Well, and you hate, to leave, you hate to leave this 30K pot on the table for this other guy just to scoop because you know you're losing. Of course. You could have pocket nines, I guess. Nah. It's hard. It's so hard for you to pocket well, nines. Well, so, so goes with the first one, and he moves in. Yeah. For 34.4K. He's going for as much fold equity as possible, and I do like that. Do you think he is only representing a nine at this point? Or could he have a set? I don't think he can really have a set. I thought about this a little bit since I watched the hand, which was only you know five minutes before we started this podcast. But I've been thinking about it whenever we're, as we've been going along. I don't believe if he had two tens in his hand, he'd move in. I just don't believe it. I'd be really concerned if I were him that I could get called by worse hands. Yeah. Like, what's supposed to call me? I'm not saying he couldn't bet for value even, right? But wouldn't he bet, like, 10K for value, 15K, even 15? Right. But it's like, oh, I'm going to make it look really bluffy and get heroed by one pair. That's the plan on this board after I three bet and went bet, bet? Like, come on. That's, that's not a good plan. It's, not, it's hard to get called there, right? Now, of course, you could be up against a particular player where there's all these dynamics, right? And of course, you could get away with that. And of course, that could work. And I think of like when you and me and some of our friends who are also poker pros play our little home game that we do once in a while, we're sort of messing around, right? Um, we'll be in spots like that with each other. But sure. That, but this is really different <laughs> is what I'd argue. One, we, all, we have all these huge dynamics with each other, you know, um, I don't know if these guys have that much dynamic with each other. Um, you have to have massive dynamic to think you can get away with. Let's say you have, if you have two aces moving in here sounds insane to me. And if you're not going to move in with two aces, moving in with two tens isn't really that different. I know it's a little bit different. You would need a guy to hero you with a set or with two pair, right? Yeah. That's what you're looking to have happen. I wonder if you would think with a set that your opponent might donk the river be with, a, with a nine because they're afraid of getting any action if they don't. I would also assume he'd do that with two pair a lot, honestly, because it's sort of the same thing, right? Or he might check. I guess he might check once in a while to induce, I guess. Yeah. Um, so then you could bet a set then if that's what you're thinking. Yes, then you could. But a lot of the time, if your opponent had a set or two pair, we have two tens ourselves, so we've top set. 
they're just going to raise earlier than the than the river. They're just going to well, mostly they, raise earlier. Well, right? if they made a straight, they usually rivered the straight. If they had like ten nine or or seven nine or something like that, yeah. But they may have folded ten nine and seven nine on the turn. No way. Pair and a gut shot. Yeah, they could fold seven nine anyway. Ten nine's ten nine's a lot. Ten nine's never folding. But seven nine could fold. Seven nine could fold, but it also could call. Yeah, agreed. Seven nine is just not going to show up with that often. I mean, seven nine, you're kind of beating the same range that ten nine's beating against the three better. Um, yeah, but remember we were saying like, um, I guess it is the same range. You're right, you're right. And actually, you block a ten, which is sort of cool, but it's a horrible well, that's, situation that's to be nine. in, right? You're talking about ten nine. Yeah. Okay. Um. Anyway, most of the time, the, the stronger hands are going to raise earlier, right? Like, the flop is a great time to raise if, the, if the, you think the guy may have aces or kings, right? Sure. It's a if good you, time to raise. If you have a set. Yeah. Or bottom two or something like yeah. that. So, well, I'm saying if, if we can eliminate straights from our opponent's range, we can bet top set, obviously. Um, yeah, we can. But I don't think we're going to go all in with it very often. Probably not. Because we're trying to get called. The all in is kind of a bad story. It's here. a really bad story because now you're really saying I have pocket nines. Yeah. And would you really bet pocket nines on the turn? I mean, maybe so would. Why? That silence is me not having any good answer. Yeah. I don't have a good answer to that. Um, I think all that's going on really is so saying, I just don't think you can call. So it doesn't really matter. This is a really bad story. It's a terrible story. that makes no sense at all. And if Putz is sitting there and can realize that, he may be able to make this call because this story is so bad. The reason that it might work is because for, for kind of the opposite reason than you would expect, if Putz is a really good thinking player, Putz has a clear range advantage from a traditional perspective here, right? He has more two pairs, more sets, more straights from a traditional perspective. Yeah. Let's not, not thinking about if so is nuts and has all those hands. That means that he actually has pretty low in his distribution with pocket jacks here. Because he has a ton of two pair hands mm. and sets and straights now. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. If he thinks about that, what are the hands I'm calling with on the turn? Right. Yeah, Jax is. I mean, Jax is not the very bottom of his range by any means. But it's, when the nine comes in or the eight comes in on the river, it's yeah, it gets, it's like it gets pretty worst after the ten X hands. Right? Yeah, I think it is. Um, it's hard to come up with anything else. Yeah, really, really hard to come up with anything else that makes sense. So Putz is near the bottom of his distribution here. Yeah. But So's story is terrible. Terrible. As Charles Barkley would say. Yeah. And uh, I guess Charles Barkley was right because Putz calls. Yeah. Putz is getting uh, almost two to one. That's I nice. mean, it's more than a pot size bet. You always talk about the price like it's such a good price. But in a poker tournament, this is not a good price. Um, No, I mean, on the river, a lot of the time people are going to bet half pot or something like that. And you're getting a much... Oh, that's not good for me. That, no. That's your point. Damn it. No, this is a bad price when they bet more than the pot, of course. But I'm saying he's getting almost two to one, meaning that he doesn't have to be right that often, right? Like, in theory, if you're doing MDF, which is um, minimum defense frequency, right? Yeah. You're supposed to call with like 70%, or maybe it's in this case because it's a little more than, more than the pot. It's like 63% of your range or 65% of your range. This or something wouldn't like fall that. in there, I don't think. I don't know. It depends. The question is how, how often do we have suited connectors? How often are we opening and calling a raise out of position with suited connectors? And how often are we calling the turn with those suited connectors? That's That's the real question. If the answer, if we're just doing it from that point of view, right? And if we have, if we're, if we have all of those, then I agree with you. But if we dump a bunch of those pre-flop and if we dump a bunch more on the turn, because we just don't, it's 7,200 or whatever, and we just don't want to do this. 
right now, which is reasonable, honestly. The only pseudo connectors I can imagine dumping on the turn are seven eight and seven nine that we would have called the flop with. Everything else is two pair or top pair and a gut shot. I mean six eight suited. Six eight suited, okay. If, if they can have seven nine, you can have yeah. six eight. Um I don't think he's dumping ten nine suited on the turn. I just no. don't think he's doing it. He doesn't like it, but he's just gonna hold on. Right? If he calls with jacks, he's gonna call ten nine suited. Yeah, and I don't think he's dumping eights or nines on the turn. I don't think. No. I don't think. Even though eights really plays almost exactly the same as, as seven, eight suited, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think, yeah. I, this is low in the distribution. I think from a distribution perspective, it's probably a fold. But the story, the story is so bad. It's so bad that it, it, it's a good call. I like the call by yeah, cuts. I like it too. Um, the distribution thing is we're, we've sort of supposed to fall in distribution when we got nothing else, right? No, not nothing else, but when everything else is like close enough, right? Sometimes it's just really obvious what you're supposed to do. And it doesn't matter about distribution, right? Distribution isn't the end all be all. It's right. just like, it's a good way to sort of, um, you know, King Solomon it, you know, it's like, just cut the baby in half and we'll go from there. You know, um, this is how I'm going to make my decision. Cause I don't know what else to do or I'm right. I, every, nothing else. Everything else is sort of even or close to even at least. Um, it's a factor, but this story is so, so, so bad. It feels like it supersedes everything else. And I think it's a totally reasonable call here. And I think you're supposed to make it even though it sucks. Yeah. It sucks because you still don't like it. And you're like, am I really going to just do this right now? I, I still have a lot of chips, you know? Yeah. I mean, he won't be out if he calls and loses, but he'll be crippled. I, right? think, I think we need to boil this down a bit because we've okay. said a lot of complex reasons why we like calling. Okay. But I think the way I would boil it down is to say we spent five to eight minutes debating whether or not so would do this with top set. That means that his value range is crazy thin and yeah. includes hands that are really unlikely to show up like pocket nines that we don't expect he would play this way. That's enough to call. If we don't think it's, we think he may not bet top set and he may not be able to show up with pocket nines. Now that's way, now we should probably call with anything reasonable at all. Yeah. Right. Cause it's like, that's it. Right. That's the whole thing. We should maybe call with like ace king. Um, Although we would never be here, but yeah, we can't get here with Ace King. Yeah. But um, but like we're gonna have some tens that we could call yeah. it too, which is really plays the same as Jacks here, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. So I guess So chose the wrong customer for this move. Yeah, yeah. It turns out Putts is uh, a little too savvy for this. Yeah. Well, I mean, I understand why he did it. You see this stuff work all the time, all oh, the time in big events. It may have been a, the right move, yeah. honestly. It might I have mean, been plus EV. Putts thinks for a while. He doesn't like insta call. Or I mean, I would like think that. for a while too. Me I would make too. sure I was like sure I want to put the chips in there. I've been there so many times. I feel like where it's like, oh, the story is so bad. Like I'm definitely. I feel like I'm supposed to call, but oh man, it's gonna be dumb but if I'm if wrong. This guy is so good, and he has like five, six suited, and he just I has know. bottom two pair, and is somehow knows to value better. I mean, like, honestly, if, like that? if he has a set of sevens, I'm gonna be annoyed. It feels yeah. like the same. It's like, ugh, yeah. that's bad. Like if he turns up with sevens or anything close to that. Yeah, bottom two, aces, whatever. Then you're just like, I'm the worst. Like, yeah. I'm wrong. Right. And I did this badly because now there's his value range that beats me is huge, not right. small. But instead, you were sitting there and were like, I don't know if he has anything in his value range. <laughs> yeah. And I know he's bluffy. Yeah. And of course, and, and his story is terrible. And like, maybe he's, maybe he has pocket nines and happened to bet the turn and it all worked out perfectly. And now he's going for the hero. But that is a tough parlay to pull off. It like, really is. Once in a while, okay. But like mostly I'm good here, right? Yeah. So of course I have to call. And I think if you really like, if Putz really lets himself think that deeply about it, when you get to that part of it, which is like, he almost never has pocket nines anyway. It's such a big parlay. Yes, he can have pocket tens, but would he really shove pocket tens on the river? I doubt it. 
even if that's true, even if you get both of those, that's not very many combos. Right. That's still only nine combos. Yeah. Everything else we're beating, and if this guy's bluffy at all, we got him, right? We just got him, and this guy clearly is bluffy. Clearly. So it's, it feels like it's just one of those times you got to, as I like to say, close your eyes and call. Yep. Well, good job, Christopher Putz. Yeah, nice job. Because right. it's one thing to say, it's another thing to do it. Everybody go out there, buy some Chef Boyardee. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them tongue-tied. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life. And I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make it